Hello, my name is Ben Oden. I'm an author, capacity building and leadership development trainer. Each week, Mimi, pamoja na viongozi mbalimbali who will be featured on this podcast, will bring you leadership principles, stories and philosophies that if applied will elevate you into a position of more influence among those you lead and those who lead you. Uh, greetings to you. I hope you are doing well and are having a productive day. Welcome to another episode of the Why Lead Others podcast. I am your host, Ben Oden. Now, some of us have heard of phrases like you become who you're surrounded with or Jim Rohn's famous, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. All this amalgamates to one big idea that your network will determine your net worth, uh, be it financially, career-wise, personal growth, and so forth. Who you're connected to will either add speed to your progress or slow you down. And, and this idea is even more relevant in leadership. A leader, you, um, as a leader, you need to make sure that your network in all areas of your leadership um, is filled with people who add value to your leadership. And so to explore this idea of your network will determine your net worth, I am joined by a high-caliber banker with over two decades of decorated working experience. She's an expert in structuring and executing um, finance solutions and trade services, both regionally and internationally. A true daughter of Tanzania, and she currently works as the head of transaction banking at NMB Bank, Ms. Linda Tegisa Karibu. Asante sana, Ben. Um, at what point in your career or life did you realize that part of your success lies in embracing and living this idea your network, your net worth um, is determined by your network? I think it was actually early on in my career because um, I am basically a product of um, the connections I've had um, throughout the marketplace. So essentially when um, I started in the banking industry and that was for Standard Chartered Bank here in Tanzania, I was very fortunate um, earlier on to essentially be recruited into a department that was led by women. And in that department, which was um, pretty much focused on um, accentuating um, after-sales services for corporate customers, um, I was basically led by a business development manager, and also um, my supervisor, who were both women, both very with very strong experience, um, not only in banking, but um, within their professions as well. And from that point, I pretty much learned um, how to navigate within the corporate world. So I would say that came on very early on in my career. Mm. And, and I think we live in a world where, you know, the concept of being self-made is glorified. Um, and the idea that you are primarily responsible for the success that you're having. And I think, you know, phrases like, or titles like self-made so-and-so, the self-made CEO, the self-made this and that, um, people tend to glorify that a lot. But I think if we are to continue with this train of thought that your net worth will be determined by your network, you have to connect with people. Um, what, what, what do you see, uh, what is wrong with this philosophy or idea of embracing the self-made, like, you know, I am, 
I am the lone wolf. I will make it on my own. Do you think there's any truth in that? I think there is some truth because you are the key driver, right? You are on the driving seat. And um, because of that, what that means is that ultimately it's about the decisions that you make. However, um, you are also a product of your environment and you need to leverage those resources that are around you. So this could be either, you know, leveraging on the trainings that um, are offered within an organization, looking to ensure that you consistently have a career development plan to give you direction, you know, but also most importantly, how do you interact within mm. the corporate world? Um, and essentially what that means is that there are quite a number of stakeholders that you have to deal with. Mm. And that could be essentially internal stakeholders, that could be external stakeholders, and hence your colleagues are very much a part of, um, you know, how you're able to progress in your career, how you interact with them. Um, are you a team player? You know, are you able to essentially learn from others? How do you interact with the leadership within the organization? And when it comes to external stakeholders, specifically in um, industries or service-related industries, how do you interact with your customers? You know, how do you continuously develop and build a network that will essentially get you to your next deal, your next project? And at, so I think it is definitely a combination of the two. It's a combination of the two. I like that. Um, so for an emerging leader, you know, someone who, whose network is really not that expansive and it's mostly filled with people of their same caliber. You know, you're just entry-level emerging leader. How, how can they build their network? What are some of the things that they can do to build their network? So this could be drawn from your own experience or just best practices based on what you are exposed to. I mean, you certainly have to start somewhere. And I think my foundation was really on the basis of... Um, primarily how I was raised, you know, how do I connect to people? I'm fortunate to have been raised by parents who were in the foreign service. So I think in them, I saw the example of essentially how to interact mm. with people and to interact with an objective, right? Mm. So for instance, I remember, you know, my parents used to hold events at home and every event had a purpose, you know, it, it was either you're inviting your fellow colleagues in order to basically strengthen the team building spirit within, within um, you know, that particular diplomatic mission, for instance, or you are essentially bringing together people who will have an influence over key factors that you're dealing with at any point in time. This could either be economic related or it could be politically related. So I, I did see an example of that. And I think early on, I realized that um, to get things done, because I'm an, I'm an executor, I'm passionate about execution, um, getting things done. And early on, I realized that, you know, you cannot operate in isolation. So in my career, what I've been able to do, and I think to do so effectively well, is to essentially know who are the key people that I need to deal with. 
Um, who do I need to speak to? Who mm. do I need to negotiate with? Um, how do I get, you know, a certain project moving from point A to B? How do I go through, you know, building a pipeline of deals? So it's been a number of things that I've had to juggle with. And essentially it's about knowing mm. who you need to go to, who is going to move that needle for you. And um, that has essentially assisted me and supported me in, um, in developing a network. Now, when it comes to, you know, a social setting, I think it's very important to choose your friends. Mm. You know, they say birds of a feather. Fly <laughs> together. Yes, exactly. So um, for me, um, I'm generally um, an introvert by nature, but I'm also quietly ambitious. So I believe I have a very good perception of people. And um, as such, I... I essentially associate with people who can can I support me in um, developing self, you know, in developing mind, in um, establishing networks, and um, getting me to where I need to be mm. in the future. Uh, I like what you said earlier on um, the intentionality, right, of connecting with people, and the example that you used of your parents hosting parties. Um, one of the guests I've had on the podcast, he told me this story of how he transitioned. He's the global head of uh, training and development uh, at Puma Energy. And he was telling me how he moved. I think he was working at Stanbic at the time. And he was, I think, uh, a relationship manager or something like that at the bank. And so, but he had a passion for training. And he knew the people who make decisions, I think, at the headquarters in Ghana and in Nigeria. And so he invited them over for dinner at, at his house. And when they were there, he was playing videos on his TV of him speaking at different events. So as they were having conversations and having dinner, there were like background videos of him. And so they were like curious, like, we didn't know that you actually do that. And of course, those conversations eventually led to him being promoted to a position where he could, um, you know, live his passion. So it's interesting, the intentionality in actually connecting with people. Now, as you said, right, it comes with knowing who can play a role in getting you to the next level. There has to be that clarity. But I think there lies a risk, I think, uh, in owning this philosophy. I think there's a temptation to use and exploit people, right, as a means to an end. Uh, the end being the success, you know, of whatever it is that you're building towards. So how do we make sure that in practicing this philosophy, uh, people don't simply become pawns in our scheme to get to what we want. How do we build authentic connections with people? Oh, certainly that is extremely key. And um, I think when, when I look back, it's certainly not a scheme. Um, these, these are basically interactions and connections that happen organically, I would say. And it has to be that way because at the end of the day, you, you may not get it right all the time. You may believe in um, a colleague. You may believe in um, a client. You may believe in a stakeholder who essentially is supporting whatever it is that you may be working on at any point in time. But then what you find is that it is probably, you know, further on down the line in terms of the connections and the network that you're developing that actually basically is going to have an impact in mm. where you're going to go next. 
And I think a case in point for me is when um, I was uh, I was working early on in my career in banking, and um, I basically came across an opportunity of um, getting a professional attachment in Frankfurt in Germany, and this was in the financial sector. And that professional attachment was extremely instrumental in essentially leading me to the career path that I've taken thus far within the banking sector, and that is specializing in trade finance. So yes, naturally, I was connecting with people in the workplace, right? But the contact that led me to that opportunity was as an external stakeholder. So it is not a scheme. Mm. Right. It has to happen organically. But what I think is extremely key is for you to open yourself up to those opportunities and mm. um, be out there, um, you know, participate in, in events, participate in conferences, you know, engage consistently in order to, to, to leverage those platforms. Yeah, I, I like the the intentionality and the consistency of it all because I think we've, we 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 live in a culture where we've always hear stories of you know people having that sense where I think I'm sure you also have people in your life where as soon as you see a phone call you're like they probably want something what is it now um, so we have those relationships and there is, there is that tendency of really connecting for the sake of getting something and once that's achieved then it's on to the next. One, but I think, like you're saying, I've, I've also heard stories of people who they've built authentic relationship that, you know, years down the line, um, they reap rewards from those relationships as well. And so I think, yeah, it's definitely the intentionality and the consistency has to be there. But I like that you have to also open yourself up to those because it sometimes maybe it's not necessarily your colleagues or your supervisor or your director, your CEO. It could be a client. It could be somebody you connected with outside of your uh, immediate sphere of influence. Um, and so the ideal, I, I, I'd like to believe that, you know, as far as your network is concerned is, you know, it's all positive, you know, people who can uh, help you get to the next level, people who can open doors for you. Um, but there is this school of thought that says in your network, it is very important to have critics. Um, because, you know, critics are the ones who will push you to become your very best. Um, you need that in your, in, your, in your network. And in fact, there's even a study that was done and say that, you know, experts actually love critics more than people who praise them and say you're doing well. Um, whereas the entry level uh, leaders are the ones who love the affirmation because they need that to commit to something, right? So how important is it to have critics and how do we develop the thick skin to actually absorb the criticism um, as we are building this network and maybe part of that network being the critics who will challenge us to become our very best. It's extremely critical to, to, to have the critics in your life. Um, I, I have quite a number of critics, to be honest, <laughs> and um, I've had them all along. And I think, you know, even you know, within your family, um, you, you need to have critics. You need to have people who are going to tell you the truth you know, who are going to be extremely factual about what you need to do. And um, I'm very appreciative of that because sometimes um, you tend to be on a trajectory and you're extremely focused on what you need to achieve, but you, you don't take time to look back, take stock, mm. you know, and really quantify whether the progress you're making 
is actually, you know, impactful, is actually going to get you to where you need to be. So for me, um, other than family members, I have friends who are really, really good critics. So I have two really, really good friends. Um, we intentionally make time to meet on a quarterly basis throughout the year. And that's where we exchange notes. And it's it actually takes preparation before these sessions that we have. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know that your friends are going to say, okay, so Linda, what have you been up to in the last three months? You know, what have you been able to achieve? Has there been any progress? And I mean, we also share, um, other things, you know, we talk about, um, you know, things that are relevant, issues that are relevant in today's world. Um, you know, with the pandemic, it, life has changed. You know, it is not what it used to be. So how are we reinventing ourselves to essentially adapt to that change? And this is how we essentially um, support each other in really ensuring that um, we keep track of the direction of the goals that we have and the objectives that we set for ourselves, but also to ensure that we remain relevant. Yeah, um uh, I like that. So four times a year, you have to prepare because you know, um, and and I guess trust also plays a role in building those relationships with people. Because I think sometimes we tend to reject criticism when there's either, of course, there. Are, it's a complex. Um, it's not the one. It's not a very linear thing. Uh, it's rather complex. Where you know, it could be self-esteem. Where sometimes we reject because we have a very we have low regard for ourselves in a sense and so re criticism is just reinforces that idea or sometimes i feel like there's trust when there is no trust between you and the person giving you that feedback then it's also easy to reject that information and so i like how you you at least from the way i hear it is that you know there's a trust element as well where you know that the people are coming from a good place and, and so which means it's not random it's something that you built uh, and I think that's also advice for the rest of us. It's really taking the time to build uh, people you know you can trust, but also people you know you can trust that they will tell you the truth as it is. Because Absolutely. I think sometimes many of us tend to lean more towards a supportive network, people who always cheer you on, even when you are uh, failing and you're falling down. And that's important. I think we need that as well, because you need people who are going to cheer you on and be in your corner but you also need the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we see that even in sports. I mean, if we didn't have media always, you know, overanalyzing every play that these pro athletes are doing, they probably wouldn't be the very best. Sometimes the motivation is to avoid the criticism. And so you have to push yourself to become the very best. Now, there's a school of thought that says, you know, in networking, there has to be mutual contribution to each other's successes. Just like what you just said right now, right? You're meeting as a group of friends. They're adding value to your life. You're adding value to their life. Um, but I'm curious to know, how does one punch beyond their weight? Meaning, how can a leader connect with people that maybe they have very little value to add to their life, but you know they have tremendous value to add to yours, uh, trying to punch beyond <laughs> your weight? How, how, how do we build those relationships where you know it's very clear to you and it's very clear to the other person that this is going to be mostly one-sided because I am going to pour more into your life than you will to mine? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where mentorship and coaching comes in, because, um, for instance, in the workplace, uh, you, you, you have 
you know, people who, colleagues rather, who have more experience than you do. And, you know, at the end of the day, as human beings, we're not all knowing, right? Um, we are all on that path of um, building our skill sets, continuously building our skill sets and sharpening them in such a way that um, we continue to improve, you know, in areas where we may be lacking at times. So I would say that you really need to have um, someone within your workplace or within your circles that essentially is able to pull you up mm -hmm. and to pull you up in such a way that one, you have trust, right? You have a relationship that is based on trust and you know that, you know, when they're trying to give you guidance, when they're trying to coach you, when they're trying to give you advice, when they're being critical of, you know, a certain situation or a scenario, they're coming from a good place because all this is being imparted to you in order to build you up. So I would say that is extremely, extremely relevant. And um, you, you cannot um, rest in your laurels, so to speak, right? Um, there's no, I think when you're really looking to grow and continuously build on um, whatever level or stage that you're at, you, you really, there can't be laxity to it. You know, you continuously need to look at how do I continue to better myself and to get to that point where I know that I've achieved something, but then there's still a step further to go. Mm -hmm. So life is about milestones. Mm -hmm. And I think I like what you said there, the importance of self-improvement, right? Because I have, this is my hypothesis, it's untested, but I think, uh, but I, I believe this. Um, and that I think to attract a certain caliber of people, you have to be a certain type of person. Meaning you may not necessarily be as competent as they are, but I think if you are someone people can consistently look and see that there's consistent improvement, I think that can attract people as well. So, you know, I will plant a seed because I know it's going to grow and eventually produce fruit in this person's life, right? Mm -hmm. So even in punching beyond your weight limit, I think it's it can be easier because those people can look at you and say, you know what, if I invest my time um, coaching this person, mentoring this person, I know that that's not going to be wasted time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be like invested time because I know that they will grow and become. So how important is it to invest in improving yourself so that you become an attraction to people who are like-minded and people who are interested in progress? I mean, it's essential. Uh, there's, there's no other way to it. And, and I think at every level in, um, or every stage in your career, you, you really need that. I mean, I've mentioned it before. You, I don't think anyone is all knowing, you know, I, I don't think there's a limit to, you know, perfection of skills. Um, you know, leadership even can continuously be improved upon. You know, you could be a CEO of, um, you know, a leading organization within a particular sector, but then you still have the opportunity to lead a global company. 
right? That certainly requires different skill set. That certainly requires a different level of experience. So yes, um, continuous improvement, extremely, extremely key. But I think what is also important is that you have to have different resources, mm. right? So certainly you can learn on the job. Certainly you can learn from your colleagues. Yeah, certainly you can learn from the leadership. But you also need to make time for trainings, you know, for self-learning. And I don't think there's a better time for anyone who is pursuing a career path, who is pursuing um, a business growth, whatever it is you're engaged in. I don't think there's a better time where you have such a vast amount of resources available to you mm. and um, at no cost. Mm. So there are really no excuses, right? Mm. Um, there's a plethora of resources out there and one really has to take the step mm. and make time for it. Because if you don't, then w what happens is that um, you tend to stagnate and then you tend to wonder why haven't I why aren't I growing? You know, why haven't I been identified for that role? Or I applied, but I wasn't shortlisted. So if these are things are happening to you at any point in your career, then you have to ask yourself, what do I need to do more? Mm -hmm. And you may find that it is probably, there's probably a gap in terms of self-improvement and self-learning that actually needs to be stepped up. Mm. Uh, I like that. And now... In leadership, in growing as a leader, um, the higher up you go, the less it becomes about your technical skills because you have a team of people who can execute and do those things, right? And the more it becomes about having these human skills. And mm -hmm. part of those skills is this whole idea of learning to be political. Um, and leadership and politics are somehow largely connected the higher up you climb. And, and the fact that organizations are pyramids, you know, produces a scarcity of positions and the higher up you move um, in this hierarchy. So which means the higher up you go, now there are fewer positions and there are potentially more candidates. And so how do you navigate that space? Politics sometimes come into play. And there's a book that I read um, that talks about how to lead change and it uses case studies from everything, from the corporate world to uh, actually public office uh, world as well. Uh, and they talk about how one of the key things to do when you're leading any change is to think politically because you would need allies and you would need all these other things, right? It's not just about having the people who support you, but knowing how to deal and operate and work with people who don't necessarily support you as well. And so in, in building your network, you in some spaces where you would need to have allies for a particular cause that you're leading as well, in the workspace at least. So how, 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 how can we... One, how, how impactful is playing politics, in a sense, in building a network of allies and supporters? How important is playing politics? Uh, do you believe there is the significance of actually learning to be political as well, especially if you're in a position of leadership in building supporters and allies? So I think I would like to put it differently, Ben, because yeah. um, for me, um, politics or corporate politics is definitely a reality of life. But I like to look at it differently because I think um, leadership is really about, you know, the use of skills, 
you know, the use of talent, the use of emotional intelligence. And with that, you're really able to mobilize people into making an impact either mm. in the marketplace or in a political forum. But I see it more as that play of those attributes as opposed to being a lobbyist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I see it more of that. And it could be um, because of my character by nature, but I think it is also um, everybody has a different way of doing things, you know, and I, I prefer to look at it in that in those terms. Mm. And, and I like that you say that because I think that what, what, I'm, what I'm curious to know uh, and the question that I want to ask you next, I'm glad that you set it up in that way because there is this idea that says the development of careers and particularly high managerial and professional levels depends on the accumulation of power, right? Mm -hmm. um, as a vehicle of transforming, you know, um, your interests um, into influence, especially influence of other people. And so how, and of course, knowing that power is a crucial aspect of leadership um, and influence as well is tied to power as well because if you have influence you potentially have power because you can mobilize people to a particular cause so but also knowing going back to you said your character knowing that power corrupts right because if you have the power and the influence you can use that in whichever direction you choose to do that how do we protect our authentic selves and how can we play i guess uncorrupting politics what you just explained there right um how do we how can we do that where knowing that there is always a temptation to use the influence that you have um, for your own selfish, how do we make sure that we don't cross that thin line, knowing that as people, essentially, we always have those selfish ambitions and selfish you know, desires that we have that could be at the detriment of other people as well. But if you want to have, I guess, to be an ethical leader, you, don't, you shouldn't be taking that approach. You know? So how do we protect ourselves from... Corrupting it's politics. <laughs> it's important to have a very strong value system. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, words like integrity come out very strongly in, in that area. And this is one of the values that um, I have upheld, you know, throughout. And I have learned from my parents. I have learned um, from my colleagues. I have learned from company policy you know, that integrity, I don't think there is one organization that I've worked for that does not have integrity as a value. And that to me speaks volumes about um, one, I've been very fortunate to work with organizations that believe in safeguarding their reputation. And what that means is that those values have to be embedded and embodied by the staff within that particular organization. So, Integrity is extremely key. Mm. Having a strong value system, upholding business ethics is also extremely key. But then from a personal point of view, I think you also need to have a sense of purpose. Mm. And when you have a sense of purpose, you essentially know innately that you were born to achieve something that is greater than self. Mm. You, what you would essentially translate to be personal gain, mm. right? And if you can leverage your skills and talents to essentially serve others, which I think is a key aspect of leadership, then you've pretty much played your role. Mm. 
I like that. I like I like the what you just said there. This essence of servant leadership, and and it's in many of my conversations, in fact, with different guests, this it keeps coming back. This aspect of values, 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 uh, and how important it is to actually have values. Because if you don't, then you're like a flag just blown off by you know whichever direction the wind blows. And so, values. And what do you think? I mean, of course, values are always subjective and personal because everybody has their own personal values. But I think there are, like you just mentioned, integrity is one of them. Integrity is something that people, I guess, globally tend to agree on. And But then there is another person I was having a conversation with who's a, a coach. And he says that in many of the trainings that he conducts, he always tells people to list down their values, right? And then they always start with 10. And integrity is always in there. And then he challenges them to narrow it down to one. And for some of them, when they get to one, it's not integrity, it's power, it's money, it's this. Um, even family gets pushed outside, right? But if you were to, as far as leadership is concerned, what would you say are values that leaders shouldn't compromise on? There are always values, I guess there's wiggle room when people can, you know, but what values would you say that these, you shouldn't compromise this no matter the cost because they shouldn't be? compromised do you think there are values in leadership or in your journey of growth especially in one's career that you say you know what i will not compromise on this set of values mm. no certainly um i think loyalty mm. commitment um it, integrity is on the top of my list right and the reason being, and if I can just make reference to um, a podcast that I heard recently, and I think it was Bob Iger, mm. who is the group CEO of Disney. Mm -hmm. And um, he said something along the lines that, you know, you need to make sure that you hire the best people, right? And you have to make sure they're smart, they're talented, they have innovative minds, etc. all the good stuff. But he said, if they don't have integrity, Mm -hmm. If they don't have integrity, then you need to move on to the next person. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think integrity is definitely at the top of my list. And I've seen, I've seen examples of uh, leaders who've been extremely successful because um, they have that one strong value. And they, they basically display it. They speak of it. Um, they... they they actually, you know, embody it in everything that they do. So I would say integrity. Integrity. And I, and I agree with you. I think integrity is definitely, because I think integrity comes with congruence, meaning your values, your thoughts, your ideas, your plans are aligned with the reality of your life. So I think sometimes we tend to look at integrity as a, as a moral virtue. You know, it's something that it's, it's morality, but I think it, it's beyond just that, you know, because if, if you're someone with integrity and whatever you plan, you will do, you will execute because you have to, your, what you've planned versus the reality you live in have to be aligned. And so you will always live in, the, in that way. So I like that uh, integrity. And it, it, it's like the linchpin of leadership because you can have everything else, but if you miss that, then the entire thing uh, falls apart. Now, as we're winding down, uh, do you have any other thoughts that you would like to share um, with uh, our listeners in regards to building one's network, you know, as a means to increase and enhance your net worth in your journey of, in your career and in your journey of leadership as well. I mean, I, 
it's really a process, you know, it, it does not happen overnight. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I, there's an organic aspect to it. Um, even though I, I do believe you have to be intentional about it, you know, but there's certainly an organic aspect to it. And I mean, building your network is not, as we've already discussed, it's not limited to your workplace. You know, we operate within the marketplace and the marketplace basically has a multitude of actors in it. And hence, you know, how do you position yourself in that space? Um, I have been very, very fortunate to, to, to live in multicultural environments, to have worked in multicultural environments. And I think that has opened up my worldview. And as such, I realized even despite my personality, um, I realized that I do have to stretch myself, you know, to make those connections and um, to ensure that those connections have value you know, in um, how I intend to evolve as an individual, how I intend to evolve as um, a co-parent, how I tend to evolve as a partner to my spouse, how I tend to evolve as a colleague and um, as a leader. Uh, it's, it's extremely, extremely key. And I mean, an extension to that is, you know, how effective I, am I within the community that I live in? How mm. am I contributing? Mm. And I mean, that's probably a whole other conversation, but then it really goes down to what was I born to do? Yeah, and I like you know, the contribution aspect because again, to be a contributor, you have to believe that you are part of something that's larger than you um, and you have to get behind. And of course, there can be multiple things that are larger than you, right? You could think of it as an organization. You can think of it as a, as a citizen of a particular country. Um, it could be as, you know, if you are spiritual and you can say, you know, it's a creature in this created world. So it can look differently. And I guess it also ties back to the whole aspect of values as well, mm -hmm. because your values will look different depending on your context. And we operate in multiple contexts at the same time. Um, thank you so much. That was packed. Um, and I, and, and I liked how, yeah, there are a few things I'll probably have to go back to and listen and really expand. Um, so yeah. So thank you so much, um, for having this conversation with me and for sharing with our listeners and hopefully people will actually apply a lot of the things that we've talked about. And I think for me, the key takeaway in all of this is that uh, I like how you provided with us, you know, very practical things and questions to challenge your thinking, but also, I like that at the end, there was an emphasis on the values because that is the foundation. If you don't have that, then you might build all of these things, but then it can also disappear. And I think we live in a world where we see how people's reputation are tarnished and how people spend years building. And then suddenly it all crumbles because they didn't operate with integrity or because they made uh, catastrophic mistakes along the way because they didn't uphold the values either they claimed or maybe they didn't even have those values. So I like how that's the foundation and then you build, you know, whatever you want to build on top of that. Um, so are there any, anything else before I wrap up? Um, maybe one point, because yeah. I mean, um, as a part of my upbringing has been about, you know, being a citizen, a good citizen, yeah. you know, and uh, you mentioned it, and so it basically came to mind that 
love for country is something I'm very, very passionate about. And also, you know, entrepreneurship is also another thing I'm very passionate about. So I think, you know, in exploring, you know, those values, it is extremely important to ensure that, you know, you are able to also contribute mm. within the community. And for me, it's really about those two things. You know, how do I contribute to us getting Tanzania on the map in whatever industry or space? And again, when it comes to entrepreneurship, how do we continue to to assist and support small businesses or, you know, medium-sized businesses essentially to grow and develop and, you know, create employment for this country? So these, these are the really aspects that are very, very dear to my heart. And I think, um, you know, leveraging my network is, is also a very, very um, strong part of um, being a contributor towards these things. Mm. Uh, thank you so much, Linda, for your time and for everything you've said. And I think to what you just said right there, you know, um, being part of something that is larger than yourself. And which means you will always be challenged, motivated and inspired to contribute to something else rather than just thinking of yourself as the end of all things. So thank you so much for having this conversation with me and to our listeners. Thank you for listening. This has been the Wiley Others podcast. I am your host, Ben Oden. This has been the Wiley Others podcast brought to you by Wiley Consultancy. Wiley Consultancy is a capacity building firm that exists to build highly productive and innovative leaders. To reach us, go to www.wileadothers.com.